Hey, well, good morning again. Uh, thank you for being part of today. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege to be with you guys and, and, and to be part of this church family. Whenever church talks about money, a lot of us get uptight. You know, we kind of cringe and all that. And, and, and particularly people that are new, they think, oh, man, I, I knew it. You know, I knew it. They're just after my money. And a lot of times, you know, people, if you've invited a guest and they're here, you're cringing now, thinking, ah, here it comes, the whole thing about money. And we're actually we're pretty aware of, of that, that the reputation of churches, at least it had been uh, for years, was that money is the thing that the churches are after. They're just always reaching into your back pocket for this or that. And because we're aware of that, we, we really kind of downplay money here. As, as you just heard Len do the announcements, he just basically, when we talked about taking the offering, you know, he said, I've just... Throw, throw whatever you have in, in the bucket as it comes by. Um, the, the upside is, is people are glad we don't focus so much on money. The downside of that is that we are probably not emphasizing enough that which is of high spiritual importance to you. Uh, the Bible talks an awful lot about money, um, not the power of it. Well, it does talk about the power of it, and oftentimes it's the power of it over our lives you know, what it can do to us and for us. And so Jesus would speak a, a lot about that, that, man, it's a, it's a master that will serve you. And so the only real remedy for that is to do what? Give it away. <laughs> you know, give it away. You know, give generously. Give as much as you can away. The Bible doesn't shy away from that. And the more you give, then this is a promise from God himself, the more you give, the more God gives to you. And it's also true about ministry. Um, as, as we do ministry here on the coast, we really feel like God's called us to reach a lot of people, and we've been able to do that and really thankful for that. Um, um, ministry is funded by our giving, by your giving. We're not a denominational church. We do not get resources and funds from some outside entity or from other churches that support us. What you see is, is because of you guys and your generosity and, and your kindness, and, and the more actually we give to this ministry, the more we can do. And obviously we have vision for reaching more and more people for, for God. I just need, do need to let you know, just because we are a family, and, and it's important that as a family we talk about these kinds of things, that we're behind this year in, in what's expected to give. Um, we're a bit behind, um, not a bit, but a little bit more than that, um, behind than what we brought in even last year. Even though we've grown a little bit, we're behind in what we gave last year. The good news for that is we've cut expenditures quite a bit, you know, but we're still about 80000 behind of what we really need to be at this point in time. And, and if you need the numbers and want to see the raw numbers, we have people in our church that can help you with that. Let me know, and I'll, I'll, I'll pass you on to them, and they can give you all the, the figures for that. If you've been holding back in your giving, you know, don't, don't. You know, biblically don't. It's, it's not healthy for your spiritual life whatsoever, and... And, and if you have, haven't ever thought about giving, do, do. Again, this is where spiritual maturity and growth comes from, is learning to, to give and, and, and then learn to trust God more and more and more. Um, whether it's one-time giving or whether it's regular giving, which, you know, works itself out, or whether it's estate planning even, you know, or the lottery, you know, whatever you get. I'm just kidding. <laughs> on that one. Jesus said this, and I mean, listen to his promise. I mean, this is, this is the, the, the promise of Jesus himself, his words. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. 
The amount you give will determine what? The amount you get back on this one. God's promise is if you want to get more, receive more, give more. That's just the way it goes. And so, so we're just simply saying, hey, this is where we're at right now as a church family. So be aware and um, um, do as God leads you to do on that. Let's pray, okay? God, thank you that you gave so much and that you're a God of giving and you've blessed us so richly and um, just meet the needs that we would have. You know what they are and we trust you for it. And Now, Father, in the rooms around us are kids that are learning about you and open their hearts, their minds. Bless the teachers in this room. God, speak to us. Holy Spirit, have your way. Thank you that we had a chance to worship you in such a great way. And bless now these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Well, God, in his incredible wisdom, has designed this thing called relationships. You know, and relationships are wonderful. In fact, I have found that some of the greatest joys in life are what? Relationships, aren't they? I've also found that one of the greatest hassles in life is what? Relationships. Isn't that a weird thing? Yeah, you know, they can be both the, both the thing that causes you the greatest happiness and, and fulfillment and also the greatest misery and sorrow. And God designed relationships to go well, and so he gives us all kinds of principles in the Bible for that. He designed marriage also as well. Now, why did he do it? To be just another piece of paper? No, there's way more to it than that. <clears throat> Something happened this past week that's never happened in, in my entire career as a, as a pastor. Uh, I did a wedding for a couple a few weeks back, and all of a sudden they called me on Friday, and they said, Paul, we got a problem. We're not really married. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, the marriage license. We never signed the marriage license. In fact, they didn't even have a marriage license, you know, and so we had this big wedding here, and I did the whole thing for Better First Reach Report, all this kind of stuff, and did it, and they walked away, you know, they're married like that. Well, they forgot to do the, the marriage license, and so how does that work? I don't know, you know, I don't know. So, so they did as they came in, and I very unceremoniously signed the thing, and kind of was there, you know, there, you're, you're done now. Now, how does that all work out as far as in the eyes of God? I don't know. But we understand fully that the marriage is the commitment they made before God when they said, for richer, for poorer, better, for worse, sickness and health till death, what? Do us part. We are making a commitment to this that we will, no matter what, ups and downs, that we're going to go through this. We're going to go through this together. God's word says this, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united into his wife and the two Become one flesh. It's a profound mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. And, and, and we're kind of like on holy ground here, as God says the reason he created marriage, this whole thing called marriage, behind it all and ordained it and behind all that is to reveal to the world his love for his church and his people. That's it. That's why God did it and made it the way, the way it is. And so the big question that, that, you know, we should ask ourselves, when people look at me as a couple or look at us as a couple, do they see how much Jesus loved the church with sacrifice, with cherishing, with care, with intentionality, all of that? And what we want to do is we want to restore kind of God's view for vision for relationships and maybe restore what you once had. And, and so for some of you, give it a vision for what it can be. Or for some of you that are not married yet or 
considering that or looking forward to that at some point in your life to say, this is what God would want, and I'm going to begin to prepare myself for it. Because a lot of times what happens is you fall into bad habits, don't you? You know, anyone relate to that one, the bad habits we fall into in marriage? And we sometimes get stuck in those bad habits, or we simply just don't know where to go or how to turn these things around. And so since God designed this thing um, called marriage, he gives us help in making it work. Now, what we'll be talking about really can be reduced to, to, to two kind of simple things on this. And we've been talking about this for several weeks. One is men and women are very different, okay? Men and women are very, very different, more different than we could probably imagine. For instance, go ahead, take this film right here, like the Titanic, okay? Remember that thing with Leonardo DiCaprio playing a very annoying character and Kate Winslet <laughs> was in it as, as well? And, and if you've ever had to you know, watch the whole thing, you know, and sit through the whole thing, if you ask, you, if you ask any, any, <coughs> any guy what it was about, it's about what, guys? It's about a big ship that does what? It sinks. It's about a big ship that sinks. In fact, the last part's the best part. You know, the ship that sinks. Watch all thing bubbling, the guy cartwheeling down and smacking his head on the rail. All those kinds of <laughs> great things that are going on. And Leonardo DiCaprio finally dying. It's all those great things kind of all packed into the end. If you ask a woman what the Titanic's about, it's a what? Love story. There it is. Yeah, it's a love story. See, we, we, we see these things. Entirely, entirely different. Or take the brain, for instance, the human brain. Scientific American published a study, actually, and, and they were beginning to, to, to figure out, go ahead and flip this next one, pathways in the brain, okay? They've done these, these kind of visual things on, on the brain and, and, and how a woman's brain and a man's brain are different. But if you look at it from the side, actually, there's not much difference between a woman's brain and a man's brain. However, when you do a look at the top, this is what a woman's brain looks like. See, notice how the two hemispheres, there's all these connection things that are going back and forth that a woman is much more integrated and much more connected. Man's brain, though, from the top is, is much more simple than that. Go ahead. Man's brain is, looks like this, okay? <laughs> Just a few simple little connections that are focused only on each hemisphere. Right there. Now, why are things so different? We've talked about, you know, women are wires and men are boxes. Why do you got to do it that way? So we can grow and become like Christ. Because this kind of difference takes patience, it takes kindness, it takes gentleness. Do you understand that? All the things that God will put in our lives so that we, we can grow and become like Christ. Second thing, God calls you to understand that difference and meet your partner's deepest need to display his love for the church. God really wants us to understand that. And, and so we're different, then we're going to have different needs. To husbands, God's big word is this, taken from the Bible. Each man must love his wife. Okay? We get that. That's something that just makes sense. I mean, that's what we do in you know, marriage, love and, and, and all those things. Got it. To wives, however, the Bible says this, and the wife must respect her husband. And we think respect. But what the Bible is saying and understands is God designed us, wired us, or boxed us in such a way that, that her greatest need is love. And his greatest need is going to be respect in relationships. And most of the problems that we face, and protect when I do, when I do a lot of, of, of marital counseling, when I, a lot of the problems we face is really boiled down to that love and respect kind of a thing. It kind of comes down to that. Um, uh, ever had an argument over a little thing? 
you know, and all of a sudden you get five minutes into it and you've forgotten what that little thing is, it's because actually the little thing wasn't the thing. The thing was actually a love and respect issue. I had a friend, we were doing a Bible study, we were 20 years old, and he got married, and, and man, you know, way too young to get married at that time for him, but, but they did it, and he was just lamenting that his wife said that he doesn't love her. He said, she doesn't think I love her. And I said, well, why doesn't she think she loves you? He said, because I, don't, I didn't pick up the dog dirt in the backyard today. How can she say that I don't love her when I didn't do that little thing? Well, do you understand what she's feeling is he does not care enough about me that he's willing to go out and take care of, of that issue. And so we, you know, as stupid 20-year-old guys, try to figure all that out. But the little thing is usually not the issue. It was the love and respect thing going on. And what you set you so much off, guys, is you felt belittled or nagged or put down, which is not respected. And what set you off so much, women, is you felt that he didn't care about you or your feelings or your needs. That's love. And therefore, you're dying to do battle now. And it creates what we call the crazy cycle. And the crazy cycle is without love, she reacts without respect. And without respect, he reacts without love. It makes a perfect circle. And it spins around and around and around and around. And what we've talked about is you can't get what you need by depriving your partner of what your partner needs. You can't get it. Someone has to step out and break the cycle. Someone has to do it. Guys, if, women, if you want love, you have to show respect. And, and men, if you want respect, you have to show love. There's just no other way around it. Someone has to break the cycle and step out and do it. Now, can the crazy cycle get broken? Of course it can, obviously. And that's why the whole idea of sacrifice comes into this thing. One of us, one of you, has to say, okay, apart from whether she is showing me respect or not, I'm going to show love. Or she says, apart from whether I'm feeling loved or not, I'm now going to show him respect. And all of a sudden, the energizing cycle begins. And it looks like this. His love motivates her respect. Her respect motivates his love. And, 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 and I have continually been amazed at, at a marriage and relationships' ability to heal. It's, it's God's beyond comprehension sometimes. Why? Because it's God's thing. It's God's thing. When all of a sudden you have two people that say we want to be on the energizing cycle or on God's way and show love and respect, all of a sudden that which was at daggers three days ago is now back in perfect unity and, and harmony. So the big question is how do I show love and respect? How do I do that? You know, what does that really look like? And last week we talked about what God, the designer, said women need. And we talked about how to love. You know, I talked to you ladies on women on on. on or you guys on, on how to love. Well, today I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about what God the designer says that men need. So what does respect look like to a guy, okay? What does respect look like to a guy, okay? The, the book of Proverbs in the Bible is, is a really cool book, and, and the book of Proverbs is about Proverbs, okay? Proverbs are wise sayings, sayings that will help you in life, that make sense in life. Not necessarily that all of them are spiritual. Some of them are. Some of them are just practical Common sense things that we can learn. And there's kind of a common thread for the next couple of verses I'm going to read. See if you can, you can find it. It says this. It's better to live in a corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Okay? Got that in your head? Next one says this. It's better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and vexing woman. All right. Have any of you figure out kind of the common denominator here. Is there a pattern here going on there? <laughs> of course, of course it is. I'm getting really bad looks from some people in here <laughs> right now. 
the term the term contentious it actually comes from the Hebrew root word of judging or passing judgment or correcting or even second guessing on this. And what the writer of Proverbs is saying is, man, I'd rather live in a desert land than with a woman who's always getting on my case for how bad I'm doing things. So it says this, a constant dripping on a day of steady rain and a contentious woman are alike. Okay, you understand it? You get it? And this is a guy writing, obviously, but this is how a guy is expressing himself on this. Now, and I could give you some don'ts, and I could say don't nag, don't belittle, don't treat him like a kid, you know, because then there's reasons for that, because all of a sudden when a guy gets nagged, a man gets nagged, particularly by his wife, um, um, he only hears his mother talking to him. And all of a sudden he's, 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 he's projected back to when he was six years old and doing things wrong, and guys will hate that. And what a guy will do when he feels like his wife is mothering him or nagging him, he will isolate. He will separate himself. You know, he'll do something. He'll go work on the car, go in the garage and bang tools around. You know, why? Just to be able to get away from it because he will do anything to escape. Now, understand, this is the beginning of the crazy cycle because when a woman, woman wants connection, she wants to him to draw close to her and let her know everything's going to be okay and he can work it all out and he's going to change. But he's isolating. And so she feels like he's now loving her, and he's saying, she's not respecting me, so I'm not going to love her by being isolated. And all of a sudden, this thing starts to spin. You follow it? You see how it goes? You see where it goes? And, and this is what happens. So, so, so um, here we go. Here's what it does look like, okay? Don't nag, don't mother. And I could talk about don'ts for a lot, but let's do the positive part, okay? Respect looks like this. Respect his desire to conquer, all right? Respect a guy's desire to conquer. I got to love that word conquer, and I chose it on purpose because I'm a guy. But actually, it goes back to the whole Garden of Eden thing. God placed Adam in this garden, and there was a whole lot of stuff going on here. We sometimes think it was all perfect, rose, and neat. I don't think it was like that at all. I think it was more like my backyard. But anyway, that's another thing. The Bible says this. God took the man and set him down in the Garden of Eden to work the ground and keep it in order. If all that, there's work for a guy to do. And that means that we find dignity in work. Work is a good thing. But where it says keep in order, it means to take charge. To bring under submission, or the word we use is what? Conquer. That's what a guy does. And there's something in us that wants to subdue and conquer and beat. There just, there just is. And all these little boxes here that I've said represent a guy's a guy's brain, they all have one thing, in, well, apart from being boxes, but they have, if this were a covering, this covering would say, would say conquer on it because whatever's inside, we want to beat it. We want to conquer it. We want to win this thing. So, for instance, your work. Guys, work. You want to subdue the project. You want to win. You want to beat it. Your lawn. You want to beat, you want to beat the weeds. Waxing the car is a challenge for us. We want that car to look great when we do it. You see, you understand what we're doing? Everything we're doing, we're trying, to, we're trying to conquer. And that's why, for instance, I get a gopher in my yard. It's a personal affront to me. Understand that? It is now attacking that thing which I have conquered, and so I will do anything short of nuking it to get it out of there, you know, because it's wrecking that which I have subdued, I've, I've, I've put down. 
And this is why guys will do, you know, you've ever seen a stupid guy thing? Go ahead and show this. You know, this is the stupid guy stuff, you know, my stupid guy <laughs> picture. You know, challenge accepted, you know. I bet you you can't water ski on a, on a float tube. Uh, you know, challenge, challenge accepted. You know, I get you can't feed that buffalo. What do we guys say? Challenge what? Challenge accepted. You know, you threw this as a challenge f- for me. When guys go uh, buying, and I would say guys go shopping, but guys, again, we don't shop, do we? We what? We buy because shopping has a whole idea of just kind of looking around, you know, and, and seeing what's out there. No, there's no conquering in that. If I go for a product, I'm going to come back with a product. All right? When Lisa sends me to the store to buy something, I will come back with something, you know. <laughs> Most times it's not the right thing. But then there's the whole parking issue is when you're going to, to buy, you know, when you're going to you pull you pulling them. If you see a spot that's closer than another spot, you're going to go to what? That closer spot, why it may be 20 feet. Can I walk 20 feet? I can walk 20 feet. But yet, by getting that closer spot, I beat that other poor sap to the spot than he did. There's that sense of us in that. Um, men need to know <laughs> that, that, that they are respected in what they do, apart from the silliness of parking spots. We want to do the best we can in that. And, and deep down inside, every guy, believe it or not, there's a little boy that needs to hear approval. You did a good job. And, and we want the approval of the most important person in our lives. The most important people in our lives are God and you. And we need to know from you we did a good job and that you're proud of us. So the question is, is, am I letting him know that I support him in work and endeavors in his field and what he does? does a good job. Guys need to hear that. That's showing respect for what he's done. Next one is respect his desire to protect and, and provide. Very, very fascinating insight into hum, the human thinking and men and women. It's found in the book of Second Samuel, chapter 6. And, and David is the king. He's the king of Israel at the time, and he's enjoying high popularity with all the people, and, 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 and he, he loves that. And if you've ever, ever read through the Bible, many of the Psalms were written by David. He's an emotional guy. I mean, he kind of gets into the moment. He's one of those guys that kind of just, just, just moves in the moment and with the moment. And one of his lifelong dreams was to get the Ark of the Covenant. And if, and, and, and if you've ever read the Old Testament, you know, he wants it into the hometown of Jerusalem. He wants to bring it there. That's just kind of his thing. He wants to do that before he dies. Let's get this Ark in. And so he prepares everything and gets everything ready. And finally the day comes when the ark is going to now enter into the, the capital city of Jerusalem. Big thing, big deal. And so he arranges the place. He arranges the parade. He arranges all the food and all the bands and all that kind of stuff. And he's there in his kingly robes. He's watching it. And all of a sudden, here comes the parade marching with, with the ark. And he gets so excited that the representation of God is now coming into a city. And he loves God so much that he gets out in front of the parade. And he starts dancing, you know, in front, you know, dancing. And I'm a terrible dancer. You know, he's doing this kind of stuff as he's, as he's doing. Just the dab, you know. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, 
Anyway, my daughter says I'm the worst dancer in history. And so, so anyway, he's dancing in, in, in front of, of this whole thing. And, and he's so excited about it, can't contain himself. Well, as he's dancing, you know, he's, he's getting really hot, you know. And so what he does is he takes off his kingly clothes. And underneath it, he's just simply wearing normal guy clothes, you know, gym shorts and T-shirt or whatever else guys wore back then in those days. So he's kind of just dancing in this one. And, and, and his wife, McCall, she actually is looking at the window and watching all this going on. And it says this. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, McCall, daughter of Saul, watched from a window when she saw it's his wife. And when she saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Hey, you follow that? You understand that? Why despise? Maybe because he was a bad dancer? I don't know. Maybe he's worse than me. Maybe she didn't think his priorities were right. Maybe he didn't fit her image of king, you know, king. Maybe he didn't fit her image of what a king is. Well, follow along. Again, understand the guy's psyche and all this stuff. It says, then he gave to every Israelite, that's David, every Israelite man and woman in the crowd, a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. See, a guy, guy's desire to provide, man, I've got abundance. I'm going to give to people. So he's handing all these kinds of things out. And he's feeling great about himself. He worshiped God. He led the people. You know, he had fun, you know, doing this whole thing. God's here. He gave things away to people. It says this, when David returned home to bless his own family, okay, I'm going to come home. I'm going to walk in the door. I'm going to bless my family. I mean, I'm riding high on this, on my success. He comes home to his family. It says, McCall came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. You know, you know, you understand that? You understand now how he felt? He had just done what he thought was the most awesome thing in his career. And all he gets from her is disgust and disdain. She just chopped him. This is, by the way, why the loss of a job is so devastating to a guy because he's losing that which is so important, his ability to protect and provide. That's important. Economy hit us a slump a number of years ago. You know, a lot of cutbacks and, and, and a lot of, well, you guys experienced this, you know, and, and, and the women too. But a unique thing happened. Guys would come home that evening um, after they lost their job. They'd call and they'd say, um, nah. You know, they had cutbacks, and, 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 and they let me go. Um, and uh, he would say, um, let's come home. I'm, I'm going to take you guys out to dinner tonight, you know. And, and, and the women would just go ballistic over that kind of thing because they, from the time that he called at noon that said, I've lost my job, she's already figured out a way that she could get a, a part-time job. They could start to sell stuff off that they could begin to economize. And, and again, because that's how a woman connects. Everything is now connected. My whole world's falling apart, so I'm going to now pull it all back together again. I'm going to tighten things up. Things are going to come tighten down. And what does he want to do now? He wants us to go out to dinner. You know, no, our budget's already set now. I've redone it, and we're not going to spend another dime on anything we don't. And so they actually had a few of them call me and say, what is he thinking? And I said, I'll tell you what he's thinking. He's thinking that he wants to let you know that this thing hasn't beaten him and that he still has the ability to provide for y'all. So just go out to eat. Do I let him know I respect and appreciate his desire to protect and provide for me and the family and say things to communicate how much you respect that? 
Next is respect his desire to analyze and counsel. Um, interesting verse in Proverbs. It's talking about a guy, a husband. And, 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 and as it's describing kind of the great guy he is, it says her husband is respected at the city gates where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. Now, we don't have that there. You know, it was basically the elders of the land would sit, and, and they'd talk about matters that are discussing the city and issues that were dealing with, you know, this and that and the other thing. And, and the place they'd go would be the city gates. Okay, they'd sit there. And if you were invited to go sit at the city gates, it meant you'd made it. You were a wise person that they would listen to you. And what they're saying is this guy has made it. He's got that wisdom. And again, understand, guys see every problem as a challenge. Every problem, our brains are built like that. And so what do we do? Whenever there's a problem there, we analyze it and we figure out the best way to attack. And, and, and you've had a tough day, women, and, and you need adult conversation maybe. And as you talk about this problem or that problem, what is your guy going to want to do? He's going to want to fix it, you know? He's going to want to fix it. Why? Because that's what we are. We fix that's what we do. We find fulfillment in that. Guys give advice. You know, we give advice. And sometimes I want to say to Lisa, look, if I can give advice to an NFL head coach through the TV, you don't think I'm going to give advice to you? You know, you know, we yell advice all the time to, to, to things. And now a couple things just to realize. Realize problem solving is us. That's us. But tell us up front, you know, I just need someone to listen because once you say that, you've now created a whole new challenge for us, okay? And that challenge is to what? To shut up. There you go. To shut up. Shut up and listen. That's a challenge, to, to just listen and to understand. And now you can practice your, your empathy skills of saying, I just want to listen. And I just want to understand. I just want to hear how everything is connected now and her fears and her frustrations. In fact, I'm just going to what right now? I'm just going to love her right now. And all of a sudden, the love and respect energizing begins. Okay, respect his desire for shoulder-to-shoulder friendship. Um, Guys need an excuse to get together, you know. Let's go fishing. Let's go play ball. You know, let's go shoot some hoops. Um, I have never heard and never said, oh, I just need some guy time, you know. We don't need guy time, you know. We need to be doing something. Um, relationship to a guy oftentimes is just being there, not necessarily talking or relating deeply. Interesting verse in Song of Solomon. Um, this, is, this is the woman talking. She says, His mouth is sweetness itself. He is desirable in every way. Such a woman of Jerusalem is my lover, my what? My friend. Friend. Respect for a guy means his wife considers him a friend in life, a friend to talk with, to be near him, that she likes him, that she just simply likes to be around him, and she wants to be doing what he's doing. Um, um, I have my hobbies, Lisa has her own hobbies, and, and I, I love fly fishing, I love everything that goes with it, it's just kind of one of the things I like, I like to do, and, and Lisa said to me, really sweet, she said this the other week, she said, you know, you are, you are good with doing things I like to do. You know, you're good with Paul doing things I like to do. Should I be like taking up fly fishing? Now understand my whole private guy world of slimy fish and bugs and river and solitude is now about to be invaded by an alien life form, okay, (laughs) on this one. And 
And I blurted out, oh, please, no. Please, 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 no. But she asked, you know, she asked. And that was enough. That was enough for me. Sometimes guys won't talk. They just need someone to be there with them. And I know there's a bunch of stuff to do, but sometimes walking, watching a game or pulling weeds or exercising together just communicates, I want to be with you. I just like you. I just like you. And that shows respect, that he is likable enough that you want to be there. During premarital, um, um, and again, I, I, I talk about this when the, a couple comes in, they're googly-eyed and cuddly and holding hands interlocked and all that kind of stuff, you know. And I, uh, I'll, I'll ask, well, you know, I'll ask the, 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 the woman that's there, tell me about your fiancé. And what's interesting is she'll tell me everything that he is. Oh, he does this, he's this, he's this, he's this, he's kind, he's gentle, he's this, he's, 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 he's this. Um, five years later, she'll sometimes come in alone wanting to get out of it. And I'll say, well, tell me about him. And while before she'd tell me everything that he is, now she'll tell me everything that he what? He's not. He doesn't do this, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. Something's changed. Not with him. Nothing's changed with him. He's probably still the same guy for the most part. Her perspective's changed. She was able to respect him here and pick out all the great things here, but now it's, it's lost. And, and God says, okay, we can make this stop. Now, I've given you the greatest example. We, I mean, we just looked at that. A sacrifice given, and we sacrifice. And I'm talking to both, you know, men and women now. We sacrifice. That's how this thing works. God made us so different so that we can say, okay, I'm going to come out of my stupid box or untangle myself out of my crazy wires and love and respect because that's what God would want. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up, and we're going to finish with just a moment of, of prayer, okay? Would you bow with me? God, um, God, I, I thank you for these people here and their courage in coming again and again and struggles that they face. Some of them are going to go home to a house that's very cold or to a relationship that's just really struggling and almost say, I don't even know where to start. God, give them grace and help, hope. Jesus, I know you're with us every step of the way in relationships, in life, in what we're going to be facing. Even the next few hours, God, you're there, and we thank you for it. May the truth of your word, the Bible, and what your Holy Spirit places in our lives make us the people you call us to be and you want us to be. And so thank you, God, and bless us now. Bring us back next week, but also help us to live every day, every moment because of what Jesus did and who Jesus is. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thanks, you guys, for being part of today. I love you. Thank you for, for um, your time here. We're going to stand. This next song does some guitar work and some drum work, and so let's enjoy it as we go. It moves. Let's stand, clap along. So God bless you guys.